There once was a ship that put to sea. The name of the ship was the Billy a T. The wind blew up her bow, dipped down, oh, blow my bully boy, blow. Soon may the weller man come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tongue is done, we'll take our leave and go. <laughs> Mike, I love it, man. Everything was just bouncing. The laptop, the mixer, everything was just moving it, man. That's a great intro. Thank you. Nobody's ever done that one. Awesome. Awesome. Wanted to come up with something original. Mike, thanks so much for being on the show, man. You're coming from Hamilton, right? I am. You yeah. live there, work there? Uh, born and raised in Hamilton. Okay, cool. Uh, we do run our business out of Hamilton. Nice, man. All right, let me get some deets out. Okay, so Mike, it's Valchek, right? It is. All right, what's your background? Uh, I'm a bit of a mutt, okay. um, so I've got a little bit of everything, but uh, it's like Polish-Ukrainian. Nice. Building Dreams Contracting, Inc. You're the owner, 8 plus years, www.buildingdreamsinc.ca, office at buildingdreams.ca. And on Instagram, it's, it's straightforward, Building Dreams Contracting. Building Dreams Contracting. That's it. Only on Instagram or you other, any other places? Uh, Instagram, Facebook. It's all the um, same though, yeah, right? All the same. All right, man. So I know we've been chatting quite a bit on mm -hmm. social. What do you want to chat about today, man? I know there's a few things that you wanted to bring up. Yeah, yeah. So some of the things that have been uh, uh, sort of changed our business is uh, some of the professional coaching we've brought on. How did you find that stuff? Like, did you source it out yourself? Yeah, yeah. So we did a bit of research when we hit sort of mirrored years. That was kind of when we had the eureka moment was, you know, there was a couple of years where it didn't feel like there was any growth. We were really stunted and it was like, what are we doing here? Why are we continuing to see the same sales, the same process? Nothing's being integrated. We're not holding ourselves accountable. How far back was that? That would be, that'd be the end of 2020. Okay. So we started seeing like 19 and 20 were very similar years, obviously with the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's some things that were unique about those years, but knew that we needed something that would push us, hold us accountable, and drive the business. So, so when you say we, Mike, how many, it's you and who else is, is part so of this? So I have a business partner. His name's okay. Grant O'Neill. All right. Uh, the, the guy's an absolute gem to be partners with. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we were hitting these year, mirrored years. Just went to the, uh, the internet, started looking up general contracting, construction coaching companies, um, narrowed it down to two. There was one from Australia and one from Victoria, BC. What were the names and the one in the one remember? in Australia was the Professional Builders, okay. I believe it was called, and the one in Victoria, or sorry, Vancouver, BC that we're using is uh, Breakthrough Academy. I've heard of that one. Yeah, Breakthrough Academy's been in so instrumental in how we operate now. So you basically took you, you took. I guess they took you under their wing and they're giving you some guidance and how to pull things off. Yeah. Was it? I, I gotta ask you. The Australian, and I guess also BC, because BC builds differently mm -hmm. than Ontario. I mean, and for good reason. Were they still relevant to you here in Ontario? Yeah, the big thing between the companies were, if I could compare it to something, it's almost like a franchise type system. So they come up with systems, processes, procedures that are 80% complete, and you have to put in the 20% to make it unique to what you do. So they only deal with construction companies, painters, landscapers, general contractors. Doesn't matter the size? Doesn't matter the size. Okay. Now to qualify to get in, you have to be doing uh, 750,000 plus in sales. They do make exception if somebody's just like, you know, hungry, su super hungry and energetic, but there is an application process. They need to see that you're willing to commit. And then, yeah. And then you go through a three month probate, I guess it's probation. They call it, um, 
I can't remember the name, but there's like a three month period that like a training or like, like a training. Okay. They, they give you everything all at once and completely overwhelm you and your systems. And then after that, they scale it back and they start looking at it incrementally being like, if we can do one thing perfect in your business every month and not look at everything else, then at the end of the year, you're going to have 12 completely different things implemented into your business, which is pretty substantial when you've perfected them. Was it daunting at first? Because you guys are running a business, you got work going already, so you've got day-to-day problems, and now you've got this bigger problem on the horizon, which is like, how do we change our business? How do we step it up? And then we found something, and now they're asking you to do all this extra homework. How did you find time to do that? It was, it was very overwhelming at first. We have a one-on-one coach that works with us bi-weekly. And then in between each of those weeks, we work within a group. So it's like a peer, uh, peer system. They, they put us together with builders and contractors where they put painters together with them and landscapers with That's them. That's great. All done through what, like Zoom calls? Or? It is. Okay. All right. It's uh, funny that we were just, before you got off mic here, I was just meeting somebody else here, a lawyer, corporate lawyer. And so he introduced himself. He walked in and I was like, oh, I fucking hate people, man. He goes, I know, I know. But I mean, I go, but you're a corporate lawyer, so you're not that bad. Right. And then it turns out he actually used to do sports and uh, um, athletes. He used to represent athletes. And I was like, oh, that's kind uh-huh. of interesting and stuff like that. But we were just talking about all that stuff. Why did I bring that up? I'm trying to figure out why I just brought that up. So we were talking about uh, some of the systems and... Um um, oh, because he was talking about Zoom calls. He's like Zoom on Zoom calls, calls yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, and I just, I'm like, I'm not a fan of them. I just don't like them. Yeah, well, the only way I can connect with, uh, you know, up to 300 people That's, North yeah. America wide is true. through these tiny little squares. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so, they, uh, so we have access to this portal. It's called a Toolbox. And that Toolbox has 80% templates for every aspect of the business. If you want to do an interview, if you want to put out an Indeed ad, if you want to put create SOP, standard operating And they're giving you templates for all this. Everything is templated with like uh, opening questions so that way unique to your business, you have to do the homework. And the homework's the the tough part because some of the literature is long and and you have to be honest on where your business is. Well, what what's the want. point of lying? There's no point in lying. No, you're paying. Yeah. you're paying a monthly fee to yeah. tell the truth. What's? Can you share how much it is on a monthly, or does it depend yeah. on the business? No, it's a thousand dollars a month at the beginning. So the first three months that you start, it's two thousand dollars a month, and then it goes down to a thousand a month um, every month there. So the ROI is there for a thousand dollars a month of restructuring the, your whole business. In the first year, we saw well over double. Um, really? That that. that pay itself back during pandemic days as well pandemic yeah are they i know that there's been a lot of chatter about a potential recession coming up i keep hearing that too yeah i mean how young are you man uh 37 oh you're young you're young (laughs) you're younger than me man (laughs) but uh, (laughs) but enough you're old enough to know that there potentially might happen yeah right and so i'm wondering are they preparing you for that do they have templates for that no we haven't we've only lightly touched on that topic okay Um, a lot of the conversation is forward moving yeah structure systems and business Uh, not really touching too much on the potential of a recession i know that jim recently he actually left a comment a really nice comment on uh, my many monday that i did about recession and he was just saying that the ones that are going to survive are going to be the ones that are smarter now preparing for it in the event that it does happen yeah and just planning your business a certain way that you can 
survive those lean, lean years. The ones that have overextended themselves, they're the ones that are going to be in trouble because they'll be trying to catch up. They'll be reactive instead of proactive, right? Yeah. So it sounds like this program is a, is a lot of proactive action going on for your business, which it's is great. Very, very proactive. Uh, the, the one that, uh, that they have, so they've created, a, a again, it's all templated, but it's called a master business plan, MBP file where we have to go through all sorts of aspects, the numbers, projections, your break-even points, and you have to really take a hard look on how is my business doing, not just at the end of the month, uh, there's several thousand dollars, I'm going to go buy a couple extra tools, and then the tax man goes and calls you later on. It's like, no, we have X amount available, now we can spend, we can have room for growth, or it's you know, do we put a little bit away because there's potentially a recession coming? There's never enough. Like, even if you tell a younger tradesperson, $100 is not $100. $100 of profitability coming into your business is not $100. No, it's hard and, to... And, and they have a hard time swallowing the fact of what's attached to that $100. And I think the, the sooner, not necessarily the younger, because a lot of people in this industry get in later on. Not all of them are starting from 18 or 19, getting out of a university program and then getting in. Some of them are getting in like in their 30s and 40s. You're coming from different industries. Mm -hmm. So the sooner you can realize that $100 is not $100, man. It's almost like you're laundering money at that point, right? You're trying to figure out what I got to pay Tony Montana. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you got to figure out how, and you got to be aware of it. Like there's all, you know, WSIB, there's insurances, there's your overhead, there's all new tools, there's like restructuring. And then all of a sudden you got your employees and you got all that stuff, all those benefits that you got to pay. $100 does not go that far these days. Man. No, and I think that's, so probably two years ago, my partner and I decided instead of doing the dividend and just kind of cutting a check and dealing with it, we're like, we drew the line in the sand that it's we should go on payroll, make sure that things are paid off. And then if there's excess, we can make decisions. But let's make sure that we get a paycheck that has the taxes coming off, WSIB and, you know, everything else. So are you guys investing? I know that I've recently spoken to a few trades and your profitability, whatever your margin is. And I was kind of suggesting take half of that and turn it around and actually invest it into something, whether it's something else that you're figuring out. Whatever it is, it could be a mutual fund, it could be a stock, it could be a crypto, it could be whatever. But as long as you're taking that profitability mm -hmm. and investing it into something, are you guys chatting about that? Because I know a lot of the younger trades are considering it. So you're seeing the trend more in some of the younger years. Between Grant and I, we do discuss that we'll take some of the profits when the time is right and we have like quite an influx. We're looking at probably 100 to 200,000 where that's half of the profit. So if we're sitting with three, 400,000 in the bank, we want to take one to two and put it in real estate now we've been hesitant because of the the climate and obviously yeah. we've seen a crazy increase in the retail or sorry in the real estate market yeah and whether that cools off interest rates go up and we hit a recession you don't want to be you know holding on to some holding on to a property that's one point something and then it gets devalued down to under one million and then you're you're stuck at that point yeah you're on yeah. the hook for carrying it which kind of puts us a little bit of a strain at the at that point it does yeah but I also find that a lot of people in this, it's like, it's a shame. Don't you think, Mike, that we all have the skills to do this, but yet we don't have the drive or the actual, actually like, the extra money. Is it's, it the drive or the extra money? What is it? Is it the, the nerve or is it like, what is it that's preventing us? I guess we're scared. We're scared that what if it turns and then I don't want to be holding left in the held in the bag. Right. I don't want to be. It's a very common conversation that you just brought up. Yeah. It's often asked, why aren't you doing it for yourself? 
like you're so passionate about it. We see a light up when you're talking about projects. Why aren't you doing it yourself? And I think it's it's a combination of, of having the liquid cash because we put a lot back into the business. Maybe that would just be something we would put in our long-term goals to slow down, accept where we're at, keep those profits um, you know, generating and creating the pool and then taking taking that leap of faith. How do you know Grant? Is he a friend of yours or? Uh, it was a funny way that we met. So he had a partner, he had a partner where they were doing structural framing. Okay. This was at a point where I was in a bit of a transition where I really wanted to get back into building because I've always been passionate about it, but I wasn't currently doing it. I called up that mutual friend, not having known Grant, yeah. uh, went back to, to doing a little bit of work with them. And throughout that process, I don't ever just half-fast something. So it went from like, two days a week, three days a week, just kind of doing it because I love doing it. And I just looked at him. I was like, listen, I'm going to register a company. I want to do something big, special and make an impact in this industry. What do you think? And immediately Grant's eyes lit up and he's like, man, that's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> you know, his current partner was amazing on what he did. He just didn't want to venture out into the complications of contracting. There's so much that you got to pay attention to. Whereas, you know, if you're framing a house, you get paid a fee, you show up, you do the work, repeat. There's more to it, but there's a lot more. But there's a steady stream of income. Yeah. Fewer possible variables. Yeah, right? That's what's really cool. I mean, I've always said that GC, we're the quarterbacks, we're always holding the last bag, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it is and, and not every quarterback's a star, you know what I mean? Like sometimes you have a bad game, which is a bad build, and uh, whatever, we deal with it, right? Yeah, and you know, it's, uh, we've been fortunate to uh, be able to weather some of the bad games, for lack of a better, better word. You know, I hope that we don't have any more bad games based on improving in our contracts, holding true to payment schedules, uh, you know, holding up our parts so that way we don't have anything held against us. When you run your business that way, it's far harder to be you know ripped off or shortchanged at least i think and i, I agree with you it's yeah. the friend card you get a lot of clients that they want to be your friend or they speak to you as if they're mm -hmm. they want to be your friend and it's it's not a good move it's not it's like you you got to keep that line dividing everything where this is a business transaction i'm delivering a product you've hired me for that I get it that you're nice people. I get it that I'm building for your home. I get it that you're building for your brand new baby and all that stuff. I get all that stuff, but I'm still a transaction. And so you got to clearly def like define that. Yeah, because you had one, you had a podcast that you would uh, put out was passion versus profit. profit. Everyone's right? been bringing that up, man. It's a funny fine line because our coach had asked us early on and he's like, why, why, why contracting? And then, you know, it was like, oh, I'm passionate about it. I love building spaces for people, you know, all the fluffy fun stuff. And he's like, you better hope that you mean that because this is the hardest industry to be in. And it was just like, oh, you take a back step because he's like, well, we start thinking of those times that you did get shortchanged or left kind of out to fend for yourself. And you're like, this is a hard industry. And what is that driver? What is keeping me going? Yeah, the big one is the big one is passion's got me here. And now that we're systemizing it, the passion helps carry the profit. profit. So they talk to one another, at least from what Grant and I do. It's interesting. I mean, we, we I mean, I've done this show so many times and Carlito will be back. He's just got some stuff going on in his life that... I just say, listen, we're getting at a certain age that a lot of things happen. It just, it's just life. I, I just literally call it life. So he's going through a lot of stuff. I find that sometimes when the mics go off, so many guests want to share stuff after the fact. But the one thing that a lot of guests don't want to share is that truth of 
there is, for lack of a better word, a dark side to the construction mm-hmm. industry. It's a tough industry. It is like we, we've seen all the memes where it's like we're a joke. Sure, you want to go self-employed and work for yourself and all this other stuff. Fine. You went from working 40 hours a week to 80 hours a week and you're making less money and then you might not even get paid on a certain job. So there's a lot of that stuff going on. But I think that if you it's the business. I think that the clients always use that emotional card to try to get you to cave in or give more. And, and you shouldn't do that. You have skills, you're providing a service and everything's been documented. And like you said, like you guys have gotten a coach now that's helping you run your business better. So then you can present all that knowledge to the client. They probably are looking back at you and going, well, this is a good person. This guy or girl's got everything all lined up. Everything's mm-hmm. working well. So let's do that. If you want to use the emotional card, sure. I'll just tag you with a yellow card that's known <laughs> as a change order or something like that, right? And that's like, I think you got to be willing to confront the clients and just say, I get it. You want this, but it's still an extra. I yeah. still have to charge you for that. Yeah, and I had a, I have a really good friend of mine. Uh, his name's Dan Guest. He's the president of Guest Plumbing and okay. Heating, uh, HVAC, uh, and a variety of other businesses. And when we were discussing kind of business and we were going through a situation where a client was pulling kind of the emotional card and playing on the strings, and um, a statement that he had made that really rang true was, you have to train your clients on how to behave. You have to show them where that line is like you're speaking about you know like there is a certain level of care that you take into the details that mean so much to the to the client but when they do overextend you, there's a way to politely coach them that is, yep. you know a- after 6 p.m i'm not going to be returning any <laughs> text messages or calls or yeah. emails like you, you have to train that behavior right from the beginning of the relationship if you're answering things laying in bed beside your your partner and playing with your kids and your phone's jinging we're all guilty of it i, I can't think of any one person in our industry that hasn't been guilty of it we're getting better at it but mike you know what the sad thing about that scenario and i've been there trust me oh. i've been there the sad thing is that your first thought in your head is the reaction or what's going to happen to the client and you should really be thinking about your significant other and your family present. that yeah. should be your first thought mm-hmm I don't and know why, but it's, we're sick. Yeah, we're sick in the head. Yeah, yeah, we're people pleasers, except for under our four walls. Oh, but I mean, it's also I think a good contractor out there. Like you gotta be able to read people, and and I know that the younger, not necessarily. I go back to not the younger ones, the newer ones. They want to people please, and they just want to give the new clients as much as possible. But they're forgetting, and they got their blinders on. You still have to vet these people, man. Mm-hmm. You still gotta make sure are you guys gonna fit? Are you guys okay? In the, in the event that something bad happens, a dispute, a negative, or something like that happens, how are they going to possibly react? How are you going to possibly react? You have to have that in the back of your head just in case. It's no different than a military person has that training in the event something happens, yeah. right? They necessarily don't always pull it out, and they need it every single day. They don't. But as a contractor, you should have it ready that if it does show up, you know how to react to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a tough one. You, you nailed it because... At least, at least we were. We came to a point where we understood that not every client is our client, and sometimes it's hard when you're when you know you don't have a couple things lined up over the years or months. You can't really see them, and then these jobs are coming through that it's like ah, these are unexciting, not really our client, feels wrong, but I need it to pay the bills, sort of thing. So like again, a lot of us have experienced that, but now in being in a position to accept that the good ones will come. 
if you allow the, the space. So saying no to ones that just truly don't feel right, the relationship's not there. We, we've now started saying no when we're just like, hey, respectfully, dis we respectfully can't uh, move forward on this. Uh, it's just not a job that we're willing to take on. Do you recommend somebody else or do you, because I find that those same clients will turn around and go, well, you know, I kind of was comfortable with you and I want to work with you. Is there anybody else that you would recommend? And me doing the show and me meeting so many people on, on social media, I'm always forth willing and i'll be like sure give this person a call he's like would you val even this morning i had somebody ask me about medcore you know i know you had him on the show and i know that you've spoken about him and i'm like would you vouch for it? of course i'd vouch for him you know what i mean the guy does he looks like he does amazing work i've never no actually that's not true i have hired him once oh right so it's like yeah i could totally vouch for him right i mean i'll tell the people truthfully i'll just say listen i have worked with them or i haven't worked with them but from my conversation with them they seem like a good person and by all means give them a call and do all your own homework right and find out if they are a good fit for you yeah we have we have referred people if we see that there's a right fit yeah actually that 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 rings true we have referred people that just when we know it's not going to be something that we'll take on are you guys all employee subcontractor are you guys modeling the business we have right now we have seven employees and then my partner and myself and then we subcontract so we we've recently created two divisions my my business partner uh, grant he handles the structural framing production aspect and then supports what uh, where i need and then i do the project management general contracting and then i support where he needs so we bounce our energies off of one another Are you you still on the tools Two, three days a week, yeah. Oh, really, yeah? Just, just helping out, making sure that using today, for instance, we, we've got a, a very green guy that's joined our team. Amazing attitude. Just really wants to be doing this type of work. So I jumped in beside him because I had the availability and just teaching him the why. Because I think the disconnect that I've seen a lot in our industry is when people are like, go get me the stack of two by four, come over here, and then you just start spitting measurements. Well, the person that's cutting doesn't ever really totally grasp that what is it that they're building that like where what are we trying to do here and and even five minutes of conversation being like listen go i need you to go grab this this is what we're going to be doing i'm going to be teaching shouting you measurements and over here is what we're going to be building this is the reason why we're doing xyz and then even a simple explanation you know at break lunch end of the day of why did we do what we did yeah really paints a picture so that it solidifies that education in them because being head down cutting lumber and then you know a year later you're like hey man i need you to build that wall and they're like well i've always been a cutter i don't yeah. <laughs> you didn't teach me anything i know so, it's just contribution it's that you're getting them to be a part of mm -hmm. the overall picture absolutely so then it, they can start important. thinking about it yeah. yeah yeah we need them to actually <laughs> We had to take the back step being the alphas to be like, we need to be willing to see them make a mistake and not get upset about it and let them figure that mistake out and, and try obviously not to do it more than once. But the, that trial and error is really important in the learning curve of anybody in any trade. It makes me think about, I think there was a recent article, I can't remember what publication I read it in, but I mean, they're, they're predicting a, a shortfall of... Uh, 27,000, was that right? 27,000 tradespeople uh, by 2027. Is that the ones that are retiring? And yeah. Not enough So, so every, everyone that's either retiring or getting out 
altogether. So there is, there has been the negative side of, the, of what's been going on is there has been a lot of people leaving the industry for good. Mm. But then you're getting also the older ones that are retiring for good. And the problem is that the younger generation is not coming into construction. So not they're already fast. predicting this. I think it was 27,000, wow. which I've already known from future, like past shows. I've already been discussing it. We, we saw the stats and we, we see this already coming. And no one's really coming up with a solution and you got politicians talking about how there's that whole formula where we're building a hundred and what is it? 115,000 homes per year. And we need to be building something like 215,000 homes. That's, that's uh, Ontario specific. That, no, that's Canada, oh, Canada, yeah. Canada specific. Right. So all of a sudden you're like, so we're, we're already at a shortfall. So we don't have the labor force coming in. We're not building fast enough. We can't build fast enough because the material costs are way too high now. You're getting clients pulling back on scope regarding work. I mean, yeah. this, this morning I got a message. I get a lot of messages, man. Like It's, it's, <laughs> it's like it's just a constant conversation, which yeah. is great. But I, this morning I got a message where 90% of the quotes I went out this year so far, Manny, all clients have pulled back to scope, no longer doing large work. They only want a bathroom or so. Mm. Which is kind of devastating because as a business, you're trying to plan for the year and all of a sudden you priced out, got so much work out there, then the clients, I think, reevaluated their bank accounts and try to figure out, okay, what is going to happen this year? Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't do that rental. Maybe we really don't need that rental. I don't even know. The last time I checked, what's a two by four today? Is it still, has it gone over 10 bucks yet? Uh, I haven't seen it go over 10 bucks since okay. last year, but yeah, I think it's high nines. Yeah, it's high nines. Last time I checked, it was high nines, right? So, I mean, it's just what's going on. And then the other great news I think I shared with some people is uh, somebody I know who reaches out to me every so often. He's a top dog in the industry. He's retiring because he's made more money in the last two years than, than he has in the last 10 years before uh-huh. the pandemic. And is that volume based or is it? It's all volume. Uh, I wouldn't say it's volume based. It's all profit based. Okay. Because he's made more money in two years of pandemic life than he did in the 10 years before pandemic life. Wow. As an individual, of course, I would retire too. Why not? You're looking at the numbers going, wait a minute. I worked 10 years and I made this much. I worked two years and I made the same amount. I'm out. I'm tapping out. I'm getting out. Which is, okay, great. But I mean... Are they tapping out because they think that the curve is going to go back down now? Or are they tapping out because I'm done and I don't want to deal with this industry anymore? I mean, in all fairness, too, he's at that retirement age as well. Okay. But in, in this, he's a vibrant guy and he's a hungry guy and he also knows the industry really well. And he's been in this industry a long, long time. Occasionally he calls me up and he goes, man, you just shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> we're all making money. And I'm like, not all of us are making money. No. <laughs> okay. Not all of us are making money. Right. But it's always good to hear from him. And, and then he gives me a little spiel about what to do or not to do. And I just share it. But I haven't divulged his name, so I won't. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. And yeah, is it so, like a sales process thing that he's yeah. been able to? It must be. Because, yeah, that's exactly uh, it. Like, that's a big one. It's like he could charge more. But if he's not good at selling what he does and the value he brings to the table, it'll never get accepted or the check mark. Whereas somebody who's great at it could sell it and and get just that and deliver it home. I want to bring up another point. Recently, I had Bethany King on the show where uh, she's a real estate agent that used TikTok to build her her network, so to speak. And yeah. I was really fascinated by that. It was, it was an interesting talk. And there was a moment there where a few people reached out to me because she was saying that she feels for Gen Zs, right? How they have it the most difficult. They're the, most, they're the one generation that has had it the most difficult. And if you listen to the show, you don't really hear me agreeing with her, and, no. and, and rightfully so. But she did bring up a valid point uh, where she was talking about how the discrepancy between cost of living 
and what their wage Wages, is. Yeah. If you look at it that way, sure. I mean, a Gen Z is looking at it and they're looking at a home that's one point, whatever the edge home. I think Toronto now is 1.2 and they're making 14, 15 bucks an hour, whatever yeah. it is. So sure, that discrepancy is massive. So they need to get a YouTube channel. And <laughs> that's, that's, Fine. but that's what she also talks about how they, ha they have no purpose in life, the Gen Z. So they don't think that the world is going to survive. So they have no purpose to move forward where, I mean, could you imagine being a baby boomer and coming out of the war and... The world was at fight, and you're wondering, is that going to really end things? Yeah. I mean, that's a little harsher, I think, than I'm making $14 an hour, and a house costs $1.2 million. And how am I going to get there? Yeah, it, yeah throw <laughs> up your hands. But it's, it's, it's a difficult time right now because Canada right now is like one of the most expensive places to live. It's one of the most expensive. It's, but you know what's funny is that it's one of the most expensive places to live, but it's not one of the most expensive places to build. Do you know what I mean? Like we're not still, okay, we have not increased our labor rates to the level okay. of our material rates. Gotcha, gotcha. So, I mean, a two by four right now, let's say it's just for argument's sake, it's just under 10 bucks. At mm -hmm. Christmas, at holidays, it was just under three bucks. So that's three and a half times more. If you at Christmas time were making 35 bucks an hour, you're not charging 100 right now. No. So we have not gone up to the same level. Proportionally. Proportionally, we yeah. haven't. So we're not building the most expensive, but we're selling the most expensive. So and who's, the hard one. Yeah, who's, who's, who's really at fault for that now? Yeah, they, they, the other aspect of that too is, so you, we're, not, we're not moving in same trend with our wage as the material no. is, just as you had said. Yeah. Now, it still becomes very hard for clients to, to wrap their head around some of the pricing. Because they're like, oh, you know, like I want, I want a full breakdown. I want, I want to see all the receipts. And they, you know, they're putting up the stink, and it's like, well, who's paying for the time that I have to now break everything all out? So should we have the right mic to? Um, I want to see the receipt of that wolf stove. I want to see the receipt of that sub-zero fridge. I want to see the receipt of all these things. Because why are you spending so much on that stuff and then coming back at me and asking me to drop everything right. else before then, right? Yeah. And I've had that argument over and over. It's like you could buy a car, you can buy that range. But I get that you want that range. But, I mean, don't be going back to the tradesperson asking them to lower their price as a result because you need to save the money to go there. Yeah. That's not really fair at that point, right? No, no. So, I, yeah, I see. I do see that happen quite a bit. And it's you just tough. You just got to have the tools to be able to deal with it confidently. You know, sometimes you have to show it just to prove that you're not hiding anything. That that's, that's important also is like you have to have some level of defense. But, you know, it's like here here's two or three of the receipts and, that you want to see. But, you know, going forward, I can't spend time going through and filing all of this unless you're willing to pay me, you know, time and material in order for me to do that because it does take time and administration just to, to pull all that together in your years of doing construction I, I i've always told people you're in this business long enough you're going to come across a bad client i don't care how it is and i've always said that the best course of action is just try to figure out how to resolve it as quickly as possible yeah don't let it get escalated and don't let your ego get into the equation yeah. Eliminate that right from the beginning. Right out the gates. As much as you want to, as much as you, like we're in a masculine driven industry and everybody's got their backs up and you want to really say what you want to really say, hold back, man. Yeah. How do you guys handle those kinds of scenarios? I mean, right away, some of those uh, scars that are still there stand out. Very um, much. 
You know, we had a, we had a commercial job, but we find the commercial jobs are the ones that are a little more unique because they, they do hold cards. I'm sure it's the same in residential. We haven't had the same card pulled where you have to complete the job just to be able to fight for your money. Because mm-hmm. if you're like, well, I know you're not going to pay me, so I'm not going to complete. They're going to come after you for not completing the work. Uh, so you're going to get dinged either way. And there was a situation where we had a feeling we weren't going to get paid just the way this this. Uh, company had ran we had heard some things about them but we were already too deep on the tail end uh, and we held true to what we do it's it's finish what you start no matter what uh, finish on the right note and and whatever happens happens and unfortunately on that commercial job we didn't get paid uh, but you co- finished it uh, every time we, we won't not finish a job yeah, yeah. even if we have that gut feeling so what you're saying is like sometimes you just you gotta swallow it you you got into it for a reason okay so if somebody doesn't pay you that's one thing but if i don't complete the job now they have more to fight and bicker about and go to other contractors so like we did our part. We complete the job. If you don't pay, you're not going to go and badmouth us and then say you didn't pay because it doesn't look good on you when someone's standing in a beautiful kitchen. And it's completed. Right? And it's completed. Yeah. Now, we've taken the cards away for that. It's just something that you now have to deal with. Uh, but know. it's a lesson learned. It's a hard lesson learned. As long as it's not a, a substantial amount of money, you, yeah. you count that as school fund. It, <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, I know. And uh, yeah, tuition's paid all the time. Tuition's paid. <laughs> That's yeah. what it is. But the unfortunate thing is, I've met so many tradespeople that have been in the business for so long, decades and decades and decades. And I get it that it's a small amount, this job, and then all of a sudden it's another job, another yeah. amount. And before you know it, it's grocery shopping and you're coming out with a cart full of stuff. And now that possible four figure turns into five figure turns into six figure yeah. and it's it's scary when it's six figure i mean we're talking about 100 grand to 999,000. dollars that's a lot of money that's make or break business money right so yeah. it's it's tough but i get i, I totally respect you that finish it the I big one try is contracts the, after we had got burned on this that one specific one i was speaking about it it, having a, a solid contract and then adhering to the contract. Uh, what we do is busy. We get a lot thrown at us, demands, uh, you know, change orders, all this type of stuff. You have to find the time to slow down because that's what's going to help speed up your business if you just take a step back. When you're not and you're head down, you're clueless, uh, you could run into issues. But yeah, referring back to the contract and uh, having a payment schedule, when you hit those milestones, you can't be afraid to ask for money. It's like, no, it's coming this Friday. We're about to complete X. That yeah. now means we're 40% pay. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll see you on Friday. And I mean, be comical about it, man. Just yeah, you don't, you don't have to light. be a robot. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's just like, don't be afraid to actually have that out in the open. Verbally bring it up and just discuss it, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, the contract's good. Where did you guys find? Did you guys come up with your own contract or did you guys, someone suggest a contract? It, it was it was a little bit of everything. Uh, we have lawyers that we, like lawyer friends that we've leaned on. The coaching company does help with some templated stuff. Uh, obviously everything's a little bit different depending province to province, yeah. state to state. Yeah, it was just a, an accumulation of uh, wealth, or sorry, knowledge, and, uh, and then just took it to a lawyer to 
That's exactly the same thing that I did. So it's like you scour the web or you scour your network. You come up with what parts you like the best. Then you actually finally go to a lawyer and they go, okay, you don't really need that. That can be condensed. You really need this and just put it all together and you cover your bases. And it doesn't matter if it turns out to be a thousand pages or 10 pages, as long as it covers your business. And actually it should cover your business and it should cover the homeowners as well. So both parties should be balanced, right? So everyone's all in a fair agreement. That's all it is, man. Yeah, because there should be a level of expectation that the homeowner has of the contractor. And I completely agree because we're now going through uh, creating a subcontractor agreement form uh, that just has a general general body that can be used across whether it's electrician, painter, framer. And then there will be appendixes that will add in for like their specific scope of work there. But it'll, it'll state like job... Uh, job site schedule like if there's delays on our part or if there's delays on their part what the penalties will be on both so there is a level of expectation that's clearly laid out because when there's not that that's just just too much problem that's cool i want to chat about um hamilton and I guess for everybody who's not familiar with Toronto, I mean, Hamilton's basically an hour drive from the core. Yeah. Roughly yeah. around an hour drive. I just know that a lot of Torontoians are moving out to Hamilton. They are. And Hamilton's becoming a very posh, is for lack of a better word. <laughs> you guys are getting expensive, man. Yeah. yeah In yeah, certain parts. You guys are getting certain yeah. parts. I mean, it's it's been a while since I've been to Hamilton, like actually just hung out and, you know, and been there. But I mean, like homes are getting expensive, man. Well, the other the, the, the driving force is a lot of the really good Toronto chefs are coming our way. You know, like, man, <laughs> yeah, I know the food is it's uh, all man. The it's Hammer's amazing. got some yeah. really good food. Downtown <laughs> core is really, really shaping up. We got we got like a food. uh what do we even call it? It's a, it's like a food row on uh, King William, and it's just got some really high end, really good, not high end price, but like high end quality, good quality though, yeah. great quality food, yeah. uh, managed and owned by just awesome individuals. So not the back in the day, the university pubs and just like oh, they're still good. Oh, they're still good. <laughs> <laughs> they're still there, right? Yeah, there's, so, there's a place for it. So it's is it is it thriving? I guess it's thriving, right? Yeah. Is yeah, every, everybody like you guys are getting workforce from there or are people coming from other parts uh, coming to Hamilton? Like for our employees. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a whole other story. We're yeah, we're it, it's tough. It's tough the labor force. That's the biggest conversation, but we've got one of our longest-standing employees comes from, uh, well, came from Kitchener, then moved to Brantford, and he commutes to and from Brantford every day. But then most of the others are Hamilton-based. But you're having the same problem that we're all having. We're we're all having the same one, and like we just posted a new ad on uh, Indeed, and again taking kind of a, a page out of our coaching is we we made the ad very unique to stand out not white plain piece of paper we're offering work for x amount boring blah blah get out of here this was like hey are you an ex-military gym rat uh you know do you play sports we're looking for the guy that's shaving ice on the weekends or trying to run the (laughs) fastest quarter mile like it's an exciting kind of like oh okay there's some personality behind this yeah smart i like that because we want to we want to trigger interest because we're not we're not just uh, you know banging nails and building stuff. We're we're people that are behind those tools and there's a personality. So we really want to display that like our company is fun to be a part of. We work hard when we work hard and we we don't when we don't. You know. So it's how was the return on that? Did you guys get a lot of people reaching out? Uh, we just put it out on uh, Monday. Okay. And right now the inbox is filling up. So this week we're gonna. We're so gonna you gotta sit do down. a bunch of interviews. We are. Yeah. Hopefully they show. 
Oh, that's uh, you just took it a totally different way. It's because I've had guys tell me, man, listen, I had 90 calls and 90 texts, and I had one show up. It makes no sense why people go through all the effort to respond and, and get address and time and con- confirmation calls. Yeah, I'll be there. And you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs, be like, where is Joe? What are these guys thinking? Is it like, like employment roulette or something like that? They just figured they'd throw the ball in and go, okay, well, they're offering this much. Let's see if it has another company tomorrow that will offer me more, a dollar more. Is that what they're doing? I don't know. And it, somebody once told me that, and it sounds bad and maybe, maybe it's real, but the people that are on, um, like, uh, uh, government paid, um, like oh the serve crap or the EI or whatever employment insurance, yeah. Like that, that they have to show that they've applied to X amount. Yeah. They have to fill a quota, and, and I don't. I'm not sure if it's right, but I have heard that more than once. They just have to show that they're looking. They just have to show that they're looking. And I don't know. That's a, that's this. You know, it's really sad. Is because there could be those people in that group actually have a passion for this. They're really good. Yeah. And they just, they're, they're ignoring their opportunity, yeah. which is really sad. And we know this from being our younger years is that there's so many forks in the road that could have possibly put your life in a different path. And oh, yeah. so why didn't you just follow through with that phone call with that construction business? And you never know, you would have been really good at that. You know what I mean? And so why not give it, but I guess when you're fighting TikTok and YouTube and you want to be the next this and that, and you're like, well, why should I swing a hammer? Why should I dig a ditch? Why should I do yeah, all that and stuff? You know, like I have three three young boys, uh, one of which is in grade nine, and I, I try to keep looking at like what kind of what kind of things can I instill in them that gets them to realize that like yes okay there's maybe an opportunity if you stream on Twitch to maybe make some money on your games, but in the case that that doesn't happen, you need to acquire a skill that can carry you throughout your life. You need to know how to do stuff. And like my my father always said, you need to know how to fix a car and you need to know how to fix your house. Like those are two, <laughs> I mean, cars are built a lot different these yeah, days. Today. But, older but you, cars, let's talk about yeah, older yeah, cars. Yeah, o- older cars, yeah, yeah. I don't touch my truck anymore. <laughs> but yeah, like you, you gotta know how to do some stuff on your own or you're gonna be forever paying for others to do it. And you'll There's be, nothing wrong with you'll that. be arguing how much you're paying for it oh, too yeah. because they'll be charging a pretty penny. For sure. And I know that a lot of guys are thinking about how, okay, sure, we have this drop of employees or potential tradespeople in the industry coming in the next few years. Great. It means that I'm going to charge 150 bucks an hour. I don't know if you will. Yeah. I, I don't think that'll get approved. I don't. I think you'll still be competing with, and I'm not slagging them, immigrants that are going to come in and they'll be fly-by-night guys that'll just swing a hammer and they'll charge a fraction of what you're charging. Mm-hmm. But clients will hire them. For whatever reason, maybe they don't care about perfection in the job. Yeah, but the cost of being cheap is expensive. It's a hundred percent expensive. I totally understand it. Like that—that that fulfillment of saving now goes away versus <laughs> looking at something that's been done really poorly, and that's going to last uh, a long time. I mean, I like clients. To, clients today are more educated. Yep. I think sometimes they're a little too overeducated and um, they don't understand the whole principles behind certain things, but they still revolt back to the flashy stuff at the finishing stage. And they will always set aside the most amount of money for that stuff. And then they'll listen to the previous stuff and they'll approve or disapprove certain things based on that information. Mm -hmm. But I think that, I mean, a lot of guys that are in the industry, you'll do yourself a service if you actually start educating them more. 
and sharing more of your insight on why you want to do it this way, as long as it's attached to the passion. Yeah. And they don't suspect that you're doing it because either you're peddling a product that you've gotten for so much cheaper and you could probably profit more from like that's it's but, but if we're still running a business. I keep yeah. like I mean people need to understand that when they go buy their cars. I, it was funny, I was at uh Tool Academy's um barbecue or, or trade appreciation day today. <laughs> It was like Milwaukee's there, Bosch is there, Dewalt's there, everybody's there, right? And uh, Makita's there. And then I'm like, it was just pickup truck everywhere. And I bump into Matt, MMC Tiles there, and I'm like going, dude, what's with all these trucks here, Matt? He goes, yeah, look at that. That's about a million dollars worth of pickup trucks. Oh, yeah. But you think about it, each one's almost 100 grand. That's a, that's a very valid point. <laughs> yeah. And, and when can you, at what day, like at what decade could you ever say that you see like a dozen or so pickup trucks and go, that's a million dollars worth of pickup trucks? Well, as soon as you say that, I immediately think of that, uh, th- that like meme where it's like guys going around flashing $300 shoes where a trades guy are wearing, you know, wearing out two pairs of $300, $300 Safety. Red Wings. Yeah. So like you're saying is like, yeah, you're driving around in these nice sports cars. We're driving hundred, hundred twenty thousand dollar, you know, vehicles that also take a hundred thousand dollars in gas a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is it at now? Two is it higher in uh, Hamilton or lower? I don't know what you guys pay in Toronto, but like I think we're yeah. at we're at two two oh five, two oh six right now, average. Oh my god, I haven't seen it. Diesel, over. diesel. Okay, diesel we're we're kissing two two bucks. Okay. I, no, regular I'm on, gas. I'm on I think, regular. Okay, so a hundred you're probably at a dollar. One eighty one is what I saw leaving Hamilton. And I'm on empty. Thanks, dude. I'm old enough to. <laughs> I, 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 oh, sorry, man. <laughs> I, I remember when I was like 30, 35 cents, man. Like not, thirty-five cents. I'm not that old. No, <laughs> no, I know, but I remember when it was that old. I remember yeah. when I could fill my motorcycle up for ten bucks, man. Premium. Premium. Actually, I, I'm, I'm also a rider, and I do remember being able to fill up for ten bucks. I can say that. It's like like it, 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 now, it's twenty-five, thirty bucks, man, to fill yeah. up, which is really, really sad, man. But what do you ride? Well, so I don't rate this moment, but I've had uh, sport bikes and I've had a bobber. So I was a Yamaha R1. Uh, loved the sport bike, going really fast, really yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then I simmered it down to a 600 Honda Shadow that was bobbed out. It was black on black. It looked What gorgeous. year? That one was uh, 2015. Nice. Um, and generally, all of my motorcycles were camouflaged. So I had a black camo, a yellow camo, and a blue camo motorcycle. <laughs> I, I don't know. Something about just standing out from the pack. No, it's nice, man. And yeah. then you got to get the jacket. You got to get the hat, the oh, lid. It's all got to match, yeah. right? You can't. You, I know. And it starts to get expensive. Yeah. Man. Well, you, got, you want a good helmet, you're going to be paying for it. Well, I remember my first helmet. We're going back. Whoa. We're going back to 99. I paid a thousand bucks in '99. In '99, and it was the very first Aria matte black full face. Aria, yeah. you couldn't get matte black in in North America. Nobody was wearing it. Now everybody wears it. But guess uh, yeah. what I'm wearing? High gloss black. I got a high gloss black. <laughs> but I mean, a thousand bucks. My thinking was, sure, it's a thousand bucks, but it's protecting my head. So right. how much is your head worth at that point, right? So yeah. that that was my thinking. But I still thought, yeah, a thousand bucks is a lot of money, man. Well, well, it was a lot of money, and yeah, it's hard. It's hard to spend money on some things like that, but when you put a value to, you know, it's got to keep that thing together. In the in the case of a ca- crash, pardon me, in the case of a crash, yeah, you got it. And and uh, yeah, unfortunately, I've had two of them, survived both of them. But I mean, it's just like you remember it really quickly. Your head bouncing and hitting the pavement, and you're like going, "Hey, a thousand bucks well spent." Oh, you so, so I mean? some pretty big oh, yeah, Well, no, it wasn't bad, bad, but I, I remember vividly my head hitting the pavement a lot of times. 
like a lot of times, man. And I'm like, hey, talk about that drum that we were doing at the beginning yeah. of the show. It was it was like very similar to that. And I'm uh-huh. like going, eh, that kind of sucks, right? Yeah. But I mean, the lid did what it was supposed to do, and and that was in all fairness, right? And there are guys that are right and. If you, I say that if you go down, you either get back up or you don't get back up. That's true. Yeah. Sometimes it'll create a fear. And it'll you just create just, a fear. You just don't want to do it. Yeah. And, you know, it depends, right? Like uh, some people have kids and get fearful. Some people have kids and don't. Exactly. And they just lose. I want to know, Mike, um, you and Grant, you guys are the same tool brand or two different? No, we're, we're Milwaukee. We, oh, both we, Milwaukee? We love the Milwaukee. You yeah. know what? The Packout brand, and I'm going to say it. I got Packouts. The Packout stuff is so universal and, and just amazing to use. I'm a big fan of it. Now, that being said, I think Milwaukee's faltered on some of their tools. Uh, their skills, Which ones? Their skill saw I'm not a big fan of, but I love the new DeWalt. The, the new DeWalt um, Sidewinder and yep. skill saw. Uh, you know, put a big fat battery on there. Those things just run all day. And so we, there's some tools that we like over, but... Uh, the whole crew is red? The whole crew is red. The whole crew is red. With a little Bosch blue, with a little splashy yellow. <laughs> yeah, we got we got some mix in there, but... Um, yeah, Whatever works for you. I mean, like, red's yeah. got a huge arsenal of tools, you know they what do. I mean? That's the thing about it. But is that a fault if you're not specializing in making them all great? And that's... Like when we, we compared the two saws and it was like this, there was no comparison at that point. Sorry, Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, this show is not brought to you by Milwaukee. Um, but I mean, it's, you got a good point because you figure that when they launch a tool and their competitor launches a tool, you don't think that they go out and get yeah. that comp- competitor's tool and and try it out and go well what do you think about what do you think about it well ours Mm -hmm. worse and theirs is better well then do something about it i don't understand Mm -hmm. right maybe they don't maybe they do or maybe i don't know they focus on certain tools are you bosch i'm still a bosch guy i've always been a bosch guy but i got like i've got a mix man i've got fine i've got bosch i got makita i got one dewalt tool no sorry two i lied because i bought the planer recently Okay. Right. I always wanted that planer. Uh, like sta- the 13 uh, inch. Yeah. I've always wanted one. Right. And I've got the heat gun. So, I mean, those are the two DeWalt tools that I have. And then I've got like a Makita planer belt sand. I, oh, so we got the Makita planer yeah, and belt sand. Like, They're good tools. They're like uh, my, I think Makita's planer and belt sand are the best ones in the market. It's just how they are. And then I, I still always love my Axial Glide 10 inch Bosch miter saw. Yeah. 12 inch one is a piece of shit. And I've always liked my table saw Bosch as well, too. So that's just me. But I mean, I, and I still have a rigid, my original rigid vacuum. See, we do, we do the skill table saw. The skill. I have a skill table that's saw. A, that's a nice, good, strong it, that's table saw. That's a strong saw. It's a strong saw. And also you get three and a half inch cutting. Yes. Three, three, you actually have, three and five eighths. Is that not? I think they've changed that. The new one, because we had one replaced and the blade didn't come up as much. This is the worm drive one. The I bought this one. one. I bought this one maybe, I would say, four, five years ago. There's a newer one and it doesn't come up as much. But that's what I liked about that song. Yeah. So the one you have, we had. And well, we, I could go on a tangent, but they didn't, no. they didn't warranty. Uh, when it faltered, they didn't warranty it. We went back and forth from suppliers. They couldn't find the part. And they said, we'll just replace the saw. And we're like, okay, fine. You did something about it. They gave us the newest one and it wasn't, it, it was not the depth is the same. It was inferior to the one we had. So it was funny. It was during an excavation that we had. So we had our backhoe pick the thing up, 
put, we videotaped it and like tagged them in it. We had them pick it up and crush the saw and then smash it on the ground. We were like, yeah, this thing, you weren't willing to fix it. We, let's have some fun. So we videotaped it. Did they it. respond? No. Did they repost? No, no of course uh, no. not. Oh, no, man. I'll post it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would have did the same. I would have been pissed. We because had fun with it. But yeah, it's we a strong saw. Like we it's got a lot of power. Best, it was a great table saw. Yeah. Okay. So that's that. But I mean, yeah. when you guys are doing some hard concrete stuff, though, what are you guys using? But see, Milwaukee doesn't, doesn't play in that sandbox. No, we use we use the Bosch. We use the like the jackhammers. Yeah, the brutes or whatever. Yeah, right? we use the Bosch. We have the uh, we have the Makita four cylinder quick cut. We also use Skill um, when we're dealing with some of the concrete. I just find it interesting that the whole crew is kind of so anybody but like hand tools and so, yeah it's yeah right. so they but anybody new comes in. I guess you you're asking them not to bring their tools or something like that, or maybe they have some tools. So. We have an employee agreement form that just says we're, you're welcome to bring your tools if you're comfortable using them. We'll supply your tools um, as per our, our side. If you're using your own tools, we're not liable for them. So we, we suggest you don't because they, get, they are going to get worn and wear and tear on them, and we're not responsible for replacing them. But you're allowed to use them. So we show up at every job site, whether they have a handbag or not. We have all the tools on the site for every employee um, every time. Because it's true. Because but people thing, do like using yeah. this stuff. I mean, if they bring it in they, and it gets wrecked or whatever for whatever reason, you don't want to even have that conversation. So no. you guys are kind of butting that right at the bat. Yeah, and that's the employee agreement form. We, we, nail, or we deal with it right out the gates for as soon as we meet the individuals because some people have tools that they like to use or a saws on one side versus another. We might not have the one that they're most comfortable with. You know, there are those circumstances. So, Mike, let me ask you, how do we get more people into the industry? Because we've got so much competition now for career options, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do we get more people into the industry? I mean, I think Just you brought up a really that good it can point. be fun. Like okay. that's... That's the one that, like, at least we're trying to drive that that component where it's, we want to we want to show people that what we do can be fun. You can be creative with what we do, and you can earn a living. You can have a healthy living if you do it really well. I don't know much more than, like, growing up when I was in elementary school, we had shop class. Like, yeah. we're talking grade five, and yeah. you're and you're building you're using a lathe this thing's a death trap and i'm five years old with a blade against a spinning piece of lumber right we thought so it was like, perfectly normal yeah when i look back i was like my kids are not using a lathe no, like not at that age They're, get away from that thing right so yeah. so like at least when when my when i grew up we we were introduced to shop class we we had it through elementary school it was encouraged throughout high school which was uh, auto and shop uh, I think they're getting a lot more techie, uh, like throughout throughout school now. Uh, they're pushing more of that, and just less people are are um, from an early stage feeling that fulfillment of creating something with their hands. And, and that's what got for me when I when I was very young. Is uh, it's a different climate though. But I th you said yeah. something really interesting earlier on about what your dad said. How at some point you're going to need to fix something in your house. You're going to need to fix something in your car. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to go out and pay somebody to do that when you could take care of yourself? Yeah. So if you don't have that skill set or that knowledge, I mean, you are going to pay a pretty penny later on in life, yeah. especially with these homes. I mean, the prices, I mean, you come in and this is what you want done and all the luxury items that we're attaching to the work, the work that we're doing nowadays and you're getting clients and then you give them a bill. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that 
a three-piece bathroom maybe was like 10 grand yeah no it's like that's buy see you later that's not that doesn't exist right it's not no i had somebody even just approach me and they're like i want to do a 15 by 15 deck and i got a five thousand dollar budget i just i i I had no words where's your delorean can we go back in time here like what's going on i don't understand how this is going to happen now yeah but some people just don't have the exposure to know but where do they get that number from that I don't. Is it like a Google search that they're doing their own homework and people in articles are saying, yeah, to do a fifteen fifteen deck is five grand. Yeah, that's not that's Monopoly not even covering, five grand. That's not even covering material. It's not not even today. No PT at a price. No, no way. Not not a chance. Yeah. So I don't know. It's an interesting climate that we're living in with the with the construction life. <laughs> as we segue into that no it, it's kind of interesting and, and that's why i think at sometimes the clients i said that they're more educated but they're not really educated properly where are they getting their information from and everyone knows that i'm not a fan of the four-letter word on tv there but they're getting some of that education from them which of is course. totally false misleading well especially if they're also watching the u.s yeah they, they could be watching the u.s version yeah. of it which is you know oh everybody should be a flipper yeah. Everybody should be a flipper. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. I've, I've known so many tradespeople that have gone into flipping and they bust. You know what I mean? And, and they have the skill set and they saved a lot of money because they knew what they were doing. But then they sold it and they didn't make the money that they thought they would based on yeah. what we've seen. And do you ever do you ever see like you're you're a man of quality? Uh, <laughs> as, well, from, Thanks, what, man. from what I see, you're <laughs> I appreciate a man of quality. Um, and, and I get that from kind of a tactic that we take when we take videos throughout a contra- uh, uh, the process of construction yeah. uh, from the beginning to the end is we slowly you know, we slowly pan in and out of uh, our work and try to show things close up. We, we do a thing called close up magic. And yeah. so it's just a little tagline yeah, on yeah, yeah. us doing things that we encourage customers to look up close. But we do also see customers, uh, contractors on social media that they're like running through a house they're they're panning so fast and and you know to an untrained eye it's like wow that's really nice tile but you're like yeah but your toenail chips it every time you walk on it right so like there could be that false sense of quality even on the four letter word um yeah you know so that that's one thing that i look out for too is like the way that we separate ourselves is we're we're going slow. We want people to see it. That's why we've tagged. That's why we use the term close up magic. Just like that's a ma- smart. It's a very magician smart. does card tricks in front of you, right Slide face to face, yeah. to try and pull the wool over your eyes. We yeah. tell clients, no, we're doing close up magic. So when we're done the job, look closely at our stuff, and you won't find anything. It's interesting you bring that up because I I know that a lot of people in the construction industry have been toning down their time on social media, specifically IG. And I think a, a large portion of them are possibly trying TikTok. But the problem is that TikTok is, is even worse when it comes to construction, social media content. And you bring up a really valid point where a lot of people on social media construction wise will photograph the hell and videotape the hell out of all the rough stage, all the rough components, all the setup and everything like that. But then they won't really reveal the final images and they won't really dive deep in the final images. Yeah. And it just I remember when I've done certain projects like the white bathroom, I think we took about oh 50 my, shots of oh that God. bathroom. That thing was stunning. Like, like we, you I, put the planning. I, I wanted to like just 
photographed the hell out of it because I knew that people were going to look at it and they're going to zoom the shit out of it. And I already knew what they were going to look at. And there's still certain things in there that bugged the hell out of me. For sure. But yeah, we pushed it to a certain point and it all worked really well and it turned out beautiful. And it still looks like that too. Now, now on a job that required that amount of detail, were you compensated appropriately for the amount of time spent or was it that was more leaning on passion being like that was, I want to that do was 100% so. passion. Yeah. That was 100% passion. There was a balancing act. It was almost as if one day I was losing money, another day I was making money. Okay. And you're balancing it, right? That job gets referenced so many times by people. They look at it and they're like going this has been in my dreams for the longest time. And I'm like, okay, so that's that's basically I planted the seed at that point. And that's what I love about it. And mm-hmm. the unfortunate thing is, I mean, me personally, I've lost a lot of love in construction. And I want to somehow find it. Whether I got to go on a walkabout or something like that and try to figure out how do I get that passion again. Because I've got so many ideas still in my head that I haven't even tried yet. And it started earlier on with my career when I did like the wood bathroom, the wood shower, right? I threw the thermary in the shower there. And I'm like going, okay, that was cool. I want to try that out. And it still looks like that too to this day. So there's a lot of things I still want to try. But it's a balancing act. Are you you losing your passion because with every... Uh, milestone that you you overcome like the white bathroom no one no, word it's not, it's not something like that one word clients really yeah yeah I, I i'm i'm saying no a lot easier a lot quicker to working with somebody because i'm getting those inquiries going i've got a basement rental that i want to do and i've got x amount of money i'm like i'm sorry i'm the wrong person for you yeah if you really want to try to do something interesting then great but if you're looking to just make this look pretty so you can rent it out and not even care about your tenant. I'm not your guy. I'm not the guy. No. There's guys out there that will do it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just, it's, I don't know what it is. And that's why I ask, where are the clients getting this information from? Where are they getting their barometer to say it costs this much? Because I'm the professional coming in here telling you, this is what it really costs. I didn't magically just come up with this number. I actually calculated i put it all together this is what it costs and speaking of that just to touch on it what are your thoughts on charging for uh, estimates or quotation and how do you how do you go about that when it's like you know especially if we're talking two hundred thousand dollar renovation that's going to take you know 14 20 hours of like studying calling your contacts you know making sure that everybody's submitting their their stuff and then you're going through all other details to make sure it's included like there's so much time and attention that's spent that sometimes clients are like no i just expect you to to know what it's going to cost no like well no it's it's a nice utopia and i know lots of people have said that you should be charging and I know that there's the other flip side where it's like, listen, I'll just charge you X amount and I'll discount it off the job if you guys give it to me. Oh, that's a good, that's there's, a good one. There's yeah. that balancing but, act. But I mean, the bottom line is that you, you may potentially lose the job. Yeah, I know. Just from that conversation. Just from that conversation. I know. We, we don't charge, but it's it's been a topic of conversation. Where I've some never people charged. Are no, I haven't I've, I've charged for consulting. For some weird reason, people have reached out and they're going, listen, I'd, I'd pay you for your time to come out and just have a chat with me, Manny, about about this, right? And I'm like, okay, sure. What do you want to charge? And then I would just give them a number and they're like, okay, sure. And I literally just become like, I'll go there and I'll be there for a few hours and we'll discuss things. Is that like mid-project they want you to no, check before, on somebody else's No, before. It's just work? prep. Oh. No, no, no. It's not, it's not. It's just prep. They just mm-hmm. wanted to kind of pick my brain. I think it's an interesting element because you're going in not looking to get the job. Hmm. you're going in and just sharing advice that you have. You already have this advice, this experience, and you're sharing that. So I think as a business owner, you might even do yourself a service by offering that. 
Because if they like what you had to say, and, and always remind yourself in the back of your head, go, listen, I'm actually not here to get the job. Yeah. I'm just here to be a third person that's just going to give you some advice on how you should tackle it or how I wish I would tackle it. And you never know. They might pay you for your time, which is great. And all of a sudden, they might hire you then. At that yeah. point, you put a, t- a quote together and that's you submit it. That's almost a qualifying interview. Kind of. Right. Kind of. In so I've sense. had those situations before, and they've worked out well. And I like it. And, and then I started learning a lot of Americans were doing that. A lot of Americans were offering consulting fees to come in. And then I was like, going, it's interesting. Hmm. It's, it's totally interesting because yeah, we, like, we have the know-how. We have the experience. We know what things cost. But if you go in there not knowing, not, not acting as if I'm going to be bidding on this job. Yeah, you're, you're looking at it from the, uh, for the best the best of them. Of the, yeah, you're working totally. at it that way, not not what am I going to say to win the job? It's like, no, right now they're hiring me for my uh, my knowledge, and that's what I'm going to give. And if it gives me the opportunity to price the job, cool, and I'll you know work through that process thereafter. I've had some clients where they were doing the three bids, four bids, five bids, or whatever, and I was one of them. And then for some weird reason, I just kind of felt a red flag. And I just said, you know, I was polite about it. And I just said, I'm going to tap out, guys. I'm not going to bid on this job here, right? And then I would just turn around and go, and I would just say, um, if you want, I can review your other bids, but I don't want to be considered for this job. Hmm. If you want some insight from me, so then you guys would know. Because where, who else? They, they can't give it to their friends. And they can't give it to their family members. And they can't give it to any idiot on TV. So they need an objective third person that's going to look at a quote and offer that service. But, I mean, I, I only did that once and it worked out well because I got a sense that I wasn't going to get along with these people. So I was like, I'm not going to do this job. I don't want to do this job. But So they hired you to? To review it. That's it. Just to review it. Right. So it was a small cons- consulting fee. And I was like, OK, great. Yeah. But I don't have any skin in the game anymore now. So then I could be object- objective yeah, about of it. Of course you could. Yeah. Right. So all of a sudden they appreciate it. And I th- that's why I wish that clients would do that more often. And they should do that. I think they should do that. I think that you're getting three complete strangers coming in here. You're meeting them for the first time. They're giving you your numbers. You're comparing apples and apples and apples, hopefully. Right. And all of a sudden you really don't know who to decide on. But someone that's coming in doesn't have a skin in the game. They can go, well, listen, this person is. You, they can review all three and they go, listen, this is who I would recommend. And I think that would help the clients. Well, I didn't know I'd be leaving here with a new uh, business plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we share all this stuff because of a, a lots of guests have shared stuff on the, on, on the show as well, too, where it's really about bettering the industry. I mean, we've had other guests talk about there should be a better business bureau for us. You know what I mean? Where we should turn around and go, well, these clients are assholes and we should put their name out there i'm like that's a great one it'll never fly yeah but that's a great one right yeah I'm because sure there's I mean, some legalities to calling people out <laughs> but i think they're calling us out all the time i do agree with you that there should be some you know one star crappy it'll, client. it'll never work no. it'll never fly but i mean i think that's where the education side of things go along it goes back to not every job is yours mm-hmm. so if it's not yours but you could still be helpful then why not be helpful make a little bit of coin for your effort your time why not? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting angle. Right? Yeah. I, I think that there's, um, I mean, I've met, you probably met them too. There's so many clients that you meet much younger because you get older and everyone gets younger. Uh, it's weird which, how that happens. It's right? weird. <laughs> Where are they getting like, all this money from? Matthew McConaughey, man. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, like, they really don't know shit. Like, they don't know construction. No. They, they don't have a clue what construction is, like what's involved. They just, they know key words. And, they, and, and it's, it's almost comedic when you hear them say, well, we want Schluter. Schluter? Schluter. Schluter. Schluter? Yeah, Schluter. Okay, Schluter. 
But I also Samson's? heard we, we, oh, <laughs> it's right there the whole time. <laughs> but I, yeah, so it's like I'm surprised that like they're so educated in their field, but they're so uneducated in our field. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. But the thing is that they're perfectly fine spending a hundred thousand dollars on a car with all the bells and whistles, and they won't bother. But then they'll have a problem spending a hundred thousand dollars on a yeah a rental. Yeah. How about how about when they go through with the uh, design process? They've went through. They're at like permit stage. And then you hand uh, you know hand them the estimate, and they're like, "What three hundred thousand dollars to add a two level you know addition plus?" I've this seen that plus. with architects. Yeah, I've seen that with um, architects slash designers, just because they wrote the BCIN test, right? So they can be an architect, and I've seen them draw stuff that was way out of budget, yeah. like way out of budget, and all of a sudden it's given to you as the GC now. So the professional is being given the scope, and now you got to present your numbers, and they're dumbfounded. They have no idea. Well, they had no idea because your designer architect didn't warn you that this was all going to cost as much. Yeah, it's very important that any of us that work with an engineer or designer or architect, that, that they're competent in what they're designing because it's going to shoot us in the foot. Like, we, we work with one engineering firm almost exclusively. Like, unless somebody brings it to us, we bring all of our work to one guy and one firm. Which is great. Uh, yeah, we keep, we're loyal to who we use. Yeah. It, it's on, you know, once, once a bridge is burnt, we walk away. We don't even think about it. We move on. But we are very loyal to who we use with, with all of our trades, with uh, everybody. He understands and asks those questions. You know, it's like, what is your budget okay fifty thousand dollars well this is what you get you know approximate you know so it's it's helped us be able to win more jobs are there still because i've never had this ever in any of my jobs i've had it in the beginning where it's been presented to me and i was like surprised by kickbacks right so i i got somebody a job and all of a sudden they came up to me and they gave me some money for it and i'm like what is this all about and he goes no no no, you got me the job i was like i don't care her like no it's your job you do it right and but i find that there's a lot of kickbacks between like designers and gcs where you're trying to scratch each other's back or something like that and i'm like i don't i don't understand i thought like if i call you to do another job that's kind of the kickback that, the loyalty yeah. is the loyalty is the kickback yeah and and, and a round of golf doesn't hurt yeah yeah like you know like actually getting to know them but taking and, 10 points off no, of the profitability nothing like that like i don't think those are conversations that should be a part of this industry but it, from it what i'm told on if it's if it's transparent to the client sure of what's happening sure okay cool uh, things that are done, you know, side under the table, fluffed up numbers to kick back. These are things that are not characteristics that we run our business. Right. And, and they're, they're it's going to bite you in the, it's it definitely, it just, it just takes one client to like find out that that's happening and you could be in a world of trouble. Yeah. What but can, uh, yeah, we haven't really ever gotten any kickbacks in that, in that perspective. Like, Anybody saying, you know, well, you know, we helped you with a job or whatever. Here's, you know, here's a gift card. I, I think to, to what we said. Just nice gestures back and forth. Sticking with the same people yeah. shows, your, shows that I'm willing to share this pool of money with the same individual because you've upheld your end of the, the yeah. bargain. And it's also building a team, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, in the beginning, I, I went through, I wouldn't say a lot of bad apples that we just didn't get along, but I also met a lot of really good people. And I still work with them today, and I and I enjoy working with them today. And it's almost like I can already price them out. I already know what they're going to be giving me as a number, so then I can already drop that in place and go, hey, look, I was pretty close at that point. You know, and, and the other point is you also have that level of expectation where you know that 
if you don't beat them down on every penny, that there are they are going to not charge you for the things that they haven't that they didn't see coming. They, they exactly. are going to throw in those because you have that built relationship. So uh, we win because we're the general contractor and our job runs smoother. But the client wins because they don't hear or see or feel the challenges and stresses or any change in uh, like change order or any money. But in all fairness, clients don't even want to have that in their day to day because they have so many other things to decide like red knobs or black knobs on their wolf you know what i mean like these are difficult decisions to make right so it's just they don't need that they don't need to be privy to any of those kinds of conversations so if you've got a solid team comes in and you guys know each other really well and you work well with each other that's the best thing you could do i mean anybody that's getting started in the industry beginning find your team man yeah it's really important to find your team i agree so where are you guys moving on to now i mean you've got the coaching going on if we go into this recession, I mean, it's been a great two years right now, and everything's looking pretty right now. I mean, you guys are getting ready to hunker down. If something changes, what's going to happen? You guys are going to downsize. You're going to try to keep all the employees. Hmm, that's that's something that as it starts, it's a to big play variable. Out, well, I know yeah, it's, a, it's a big hmm. variable. I mean, tomorrow we're getting uh, you know our fourth company vehicle delivered, and we have a uh, you know we have a, a small office and storage in the back that we got last year. So. You know, what do you we, guys, you guys Fords? No. What do you guys? Well, just like everything else, we have to get whatever the market's allowing us to buy. So we got, <laughs> we well, got a Nissan. Who's got trucks? We got a Ford, Ford, uh, a GMC, a Nissan NV 200, and we just got a Dodge uh, Promaster. Man, you got one of each. It's just like our tools. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like even vehicles right now are tough to get vans and such but uh yeah we're 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 gonna slow down on that front we we needed a vehicle a van that could come and go with the uh the the framing division and then we needed one that we're gonna outfit try to outdo hardcore reno's van uh in the back it's (laughs) gonna be it's gonna be hard to do but we're we're gonna outfit this thing to to be the general contracting project management truck that's a one-stop shop that can show up and have most uh, of the tools and fasteners and stuff. Just in case, yeah. The just, yeah. yeah. You got to have the just That's in where case the packouts all come in. I mean, I did love my packouts and I loaded up on my packouts last year, all the new packouts. But even that, uh, before that, I think it was like six or seven years, I had all the individual drawers for all the screws, right? Everything, all the nails, everything. It was all organized. Yeah. Tapcon one and all kinds of stuff. The efficiency. You, it's you amazing. You can't beat it. It's amazing. You can't beat it. And I, I think out of, out of all the years, only once, and I was responsible for it, I didn't close it properly. And it fell over, and then all of a sudden you're spending some time to organize all the, yeah, get them in the right box. <laughs> yeah, but as far as like recession, uh, you know, forward thinking of if that happens, you know, there's we're we're gonna keep our we're gonna keep our finger on the pulse, adjust as necessary, and um, yeah, our our intention is to keep keep. Our staff as long as as long as possible. Like we, we when you built a solid team. We built a solid team. We've taken care of them. Like when guys went off with COVID, we gave them a full week paid. You know, paid while they were able to also get some of the subsidy. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that's like that speaks we volumes. Yeah. Where do these Where do these dollars come from? Yeah. You know, so like it's part of running the business is taking care of your guys so they're loyal to you and you take care of one another. So it's funny how that works, huh? I know when you do actually reply to the ad and actually get an interview and then go, wait a minute, this might be a good place to work. Oh, look at for. that. Yeah. These guys are pretty good. Guys. Yeah, I know. But I had no idea because I never showed up. Yeah. Shame on you guys that are doing that. But I guess there's a reason why you guys are doing it. But 
That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> I just I saw in the notes here. So you actually before construction, you had your own franchise with Pita Pit. I did. I did. Yeah. How was so, that? How was that working? Like, uh, well, I'm out of it now. Okay. Um, but Pita Pit was one of the uh, my first steps into entrepreneurship. So I always knew I wanted to do something. I was just I think just always a little fearful. So I took some of, some of the, the jobs that were comfortable. So I had worked at the FASCO. I did pre-apprenticeship courses. Always since a young kid, always did hands-on physical building with wood um, from, from early age all the way through. So I knew I wanted to do something within residential. Um, I was a part of the Carpenters Union for about four years. I was 600 hours away from my apprenticeship, um, CFQ. And uh, just during that period of time, I was 25, you know, roughly 26. And I had a good friend that was in with Pita Pit and he was making boss money. Like, yeah. like at that time, you know, he had the third busiest location in Canada. So I got introduced to it. Him and I, with eight, within eight months, we opened one together in Waterdown. Then uh, fast forward a year, I opened another one in Burlington with a, one of my good friends. Um, another year, another store, another year, another store. So four years, four stores. And, and was just so passionate about owning and operating something and the 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 CEOs and the people that ran Pita Pit were were some of the best individuals that I'd ever met in my life they became really close friends of mine they were mentors I looked up to them they taught me a lot of uh, behavioral characteristics that I now take into contracting and construction and uh, I wouldn't be who I am today without them and some of the little things that I would never have thought I would have been super interested in is reading reading books and education and and continually being a student uh, whether it's you know self-improvement if it's psychology or if it's within construction like these type of things truly now interest me because I've been exposed to them but uh, yeah they they pushed me to learn lots of different things and grow as an individual and then yeah right around 30 31 I just hit again hit hit that point in the sand where I'm like I really want to build some really cool <laughs> stuff. So that's when I, I called uh, called that um, individual, linked up, started doing the work for him. And then, again, just that passion being like, I can't just do this task. I want to open a corporation, a company. I want to run something that stands for something. You know, I want to be bold and proud of it. So that that's what's got That's amazing. Here. I could totally see that Pia Pit, like the actual organization would have did that. Like they would have molded you Mm -hmm. into this right so how many years was that and you had five stores five locations Uh, so i had four stores uh i was a franchisee for 10 years um and then over the years slowly started selling and then you know COVID hit we got rocked sold the final two during COVID. you know what it closed one chapter it allowed me to spend a lot more time focusing on the the true passion that i'm doing now but the lessons that learned man they they're never gonna go away that's the thing amount of money i could put to that and it's so true they exposed us to keynote speakers because they did uh, annual conferences all across Canada. So they we were introduced to authors and uh, motivational speakers and um, just just top level um, individuals that we would do breakout sessions. We we get to learn so much about um, you know core values. Which when someone's like, "What are your core values?" and you just sit there, and you're like, "I don't I don't even know how to answer I don't know that." How, like, yeah, exactly. Right. So they they. Ch- they pulled those things out of you by asking all sorts of other different questions to land 
on the, those type of things. And uh, yeah, it's, it's helped get us to where we are now. And that was also having that mentorship at that age. That's where that hunger came that I wanted to have a coaching company for our company. Is I just knew that there's value in it, and you you can't put a price on it, even though it's a thousand dollars a can, month. No, but you can see the value. Uh, you you can, can. Yeah, you can see the value, and you can totally see by the way you're running your business. Yeah. Right, and and I think a lot of people that get into construction, they're a little nervous about doing that because it gets them at the front of the class, and nobody ever wants to sit at the front of the class because you're going to get asked to answer. But the thing is, you should be embracing answering those questions, man. Yeah. And that's, that's construction. I think that's the one thing about this industry is that everybody is so willing to share. Like, honestly, good people in this industry are so willing to share what they've learned, the yeah. mistakes, the goods, the bads, everything. And it's like that's what you learn from working on those franchises, yeah. man. And you're sharing it with now your your employees and you're also probably sharing it with your, your clients as well, we too. We're very fortunate to be a part of Breakthrough Academy and have all these other like-minded individuals. Like the one of the closest... Uh, guys is in kitchener you know he, he's he's pretty close to home and this guy's like a top tier uh, contractor that's running a really high level business a amazing dude the guy shares anything that he has to to get him to where he is any template you ask him for any form any strategy you want to jump on a call everybody within our networks willing to separate personal time yeah. to actually help us build this thing called what's the name of his business uh, you know? He's Eagle View contract, uh, okay. Eagle View Construction. Um, okay. It's Ian Kent. He's he's a gem. Everyone should be looking for these people. Yeah, because they're out there, right? There are the ones that don't want to share at all and leave them be. That's fine. You can ask and they won't answer. Yeah. But I mean, there are a lot of people that will. They totally will share, and then that's how you're going to learn. Mm -hmm. He's and very I, well spoken. It'd be good to get him on the show. Yeah, no, I'll reach out to him. I, that's why I always ask who it is, so then we can always talk. And then all of a sudden, sometimes they reach out to me. He goes, "I heard my name on your show," and I'm like, "Yeah, cool. You want to be on the show? Great. Yeah. All right, let's set it up." Yeah. No, no. So it's good that you guys have done that. So, um, I mean, how much longer are you gonna do this for? You're in it for the long haul. I, I'm planning to be doing this another twenty years. Yeah. Um, and then along the way, I really want to be picking up uh, rental properties, so that way the passive finally get to that point. Finally get to that point. That's the the goal is to pick up property strategically yeah. when the time's right. Uh, you know, maybe get a commercial property where we're the tenants of our own building. You know, that which would be sweet. That's pretty sweet. But yeah, you know, always keeping the feelers out, always keeping the you know your your eyes out and open for opportunity because. Sometimes they come when you least expect it. You just got to be ready for it. Your oldest is nine? Uh, no, my oldest is 14, and then Forts. I have an eight-year-old, and a, he's about to turn seven. Well, so the 14 is ready to start working, no? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give him a shovel and watch him Technically speaking, I guess. Yeah, technically speaking. Yeah, he, he really wants to work. Yeah. Uh, but but with, it, with school, he can't do anything but clean the shop. So, well, he's got to start. He's got to yeah. start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it, te it teaches him early on how to complain about construction. <laughs> no, it's good. He, he's a, I'm very fortunate to have beautiful family. So good for you, man. Yeah. I don't know. Did we cover everything? I think we covered a, quite a bit. I think we did. Yeah. It's like we're almost at 90 minutes is where I was trying to do. Um, I just want to make sure that I covered everything, man. Yeah, it was a great conversation. No, no, thanks so much for being a part of it. We just got the last segment to do. I just want to let everybody know. So Mike, again, Valchek from Building Dreams Contracting, Inc., www.buildingdreamsinc.ca uh, and office at buildingdreamsinc.ca and on Instagram, Building Dreams. Uh, is it just Building Dreams? Yeah, building Dreams Contracting. Contracting on Instagram. That's what it is. You ready for the 12 questions? Let's go. What's your favorite construction word? Oh, 
Hmm. Are we allowed to cuss? Of course we are. Oh, fuck is definitely <laughs> the, the most universal. <laughs> it can be happy inside. What is your least favorite construction word? Back charge. Mm. <laughs> I've never had to. I've had a conversation about it. I also can agree with you, but it's a, it's a crappy word. It is. It is. It's like, why did we get here? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, we don't we do it, meet, but it is a crappy word. Yeah. What turns you on in construction? What turn? Turns you on. What oh, sorry. What turns me on? Yeah. Uh, oh, what turns me on is the creative aspect, getting to know new clients and customers. Um, I, I love connecting. Like it's, I'm a, I'm a t- talker. People person. Yeah. Yeah. What turns you off in construction? Ooh, what turns me off in construction is um, when there's expectations placed on you that are unfair unfair expectations like like i'm saying is when when you don't reply at 8 p.m and then yeah. you get kind of like hey i messaged you last night so like, yeah i was putting my kids down so like I, I think of that sort of thing i have a life too correct so right. that that to me is an unfair expectation and i've also had plenty of clients who are like oh you guys won't move the, the appliances you guys won't get them out of the oh uh, my couch is in the way oh, yeah no I don't know. You think that Sprinter is a moving van? It's, it's not a moving van. <laughs> What's your favorite curse word or phrase? Oh, uh, oh, okay. Don't um, worry. You ju- everyone yeah. jumps it too. Everyone. I always ask them the first question, and okay. all of a sudden they go right favorite to the curse word or phrase. Uh, the close-up magic is something I say quite a bit, and that's that's the that would be the phrase is uh, try to achieve the close-up magic with everything you do. The you know the trim in the closet matters just as much as the trim in the living room. That's your favorite curse for. F- oh, sorry, you said fr- or phrase. Yeah. Well, fuck is definitely <laughs> my favorite curse word, but sorry, no, like. But it can be used in a like, phrase, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I totally agree with or you, by the, the way, the closet. Yeah, you know, <laughs> if you want to see the quality of any person, just go into the closet. Yeah. That's it. And you'll you'll see the drywall, you'll see mudding, you'll see trim, you'll see it's door. There. It's all there. What is your favorite vehicle in the world, anything in the world? Ooh, my favorite vehicle. Hmm. You got three kids, so it's got to be a minivan, no? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Nah. I heard three is the number that makes no. you get a minivan. No, three is the number that you get to before you decide not to have a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite vehicle? I, I'm, I'm a Huracan. I'm a Lamborghini oh, Huracan really, yeah? fan. A bit, I just, it's I nice. Think a white with black rims. The, the styling is very low profile, very sleek. I think the design is uh, untouchable. I'm not going to disagree with you. Uh, what is your least favorite vehicle? Oh, least favorite. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, a Prius comes to mind. <laughs> I don't know. That just popped in my head for some reason. It's, right. Yeah, it's not a nice vehicle. What construction sound or noise do you love, Mike? The sound of the saw. Any yeah. saw? Uh, miter saw. Miter because saw. Because I, I, I have a passion for uh, like trim carpentry and stuff. So like, yeah, that, that, that like high pitched, that, that sound. That roll up and that roll the, down. Yeah, yeah. There's just something unique about it. What construction sound or noise do you hate? Oh, man, the chipping concrete sucks. The older you get, the worse it sounds, man. It does, <laughs> We had man. one happen today, and I was, like, putting my, ear, my finger yeah, in my ear. Yeah. I was like, that's actually bothering me that's today. That's like a pin right on my drum, man. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Ooh, a profession, profession. Anything in the world. I got some passions. I don't know if I'd do them in profession. Um, motivational speaker. Yeah. I I I think I think I would excel at speaking, um, given the right amount of preparation. Yeah. 
Nice. I, I like talking to people. What profession would you not like to do? Motivational speaking? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what profession would I not like to do? Installing carpets because I have terrible knees. When I see them bang, the, the, no thanks. I like, have not. I've never on one, not one job ever no. installed carpet. Um, I do not want to do it. It hurts my knees looking at just it. Just looking at it. I know yeah. that, that hammering sounding There's thing. There's got to be a better way. Just to. Have they, how have they not came up with improve, a better way to do, improve yeah. that? That knee kicker thing, man. You got to. You, that is caveman shit. Yeah. And it's got to do something bad to your body somehow. Yeah. Not alone, like just your knees. It's got to do something bad to your whole leg and your lower back. Well, your whole nervous force. system, right? Yeah. You're taking shocks. Boom, like, boom, boom. All day, all day long. long. Yeah. Like I, I got. I've never I got all credit for those that do it, um, but it's a perishable trade. Yeah. Right? Like you're, you can't do that for not longevity. Forever. No. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome, my man. There we go. <laughs> Mike, man, thanks so much for being on the show. Really a great pleasure to finally meet you. It's it's always weird to just talk to everybody through, I guess, DMs. And, yeah. and it's always nice that people will just call and I'm like, and I'll answer. And they're like, holy shit, you answered. And I'm like, yeah, it's a phone. It's just how it works, right? <laughs> so I'll, I'll always make time. So I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I, I don't know. Is there anything else that you want to chat about, you want to bring up? or right, No, I think we did a, a great job covering a lot of topics. I, I do want to thank you for uh, allowing me to come on the show. No, and, no problem, we, we, we have been chatting. I think we'd been actually connecting before the podcast had, had been a thing because I, I know for a fact I've been watching you since before that <laughs> yeah and um yeah it's it's been it's been great to be invited out and i'm happy to meet you thanks man i appreciate it it's been a nice ride i don't know carlito will be back soon enough and the show's going to continue i like doing it i love educating like you're so right it's just uh sharing this information because somebody's going to hear it and they'll pick it and they'll learn from it and they'll they'll make notes and they'll take it for their own business which is really it's worth it it's yeah. 100% worth it. So everybody, check them out again. Building Dreams Contracting Inc., www.buildingdreamsinc.ca, and office at buildingdreamsinc.ca, and on Instagram, it's Building Dreams Contracting. We are out of here, Mike. Thanks so much, man. Take care.